millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the Big Match Preview. My name is Louis Mendes. I hope you are all well. Welcome to everyone joining us as well on our live stream on YouTube. On this week's show, we'll, of course, be looking ahead to Saturday's home game with Accrington Stanley at the Valley. Joining me uh, to do just that. First up, bottom right, Mr. Lewis Cat. Hey, Dean Lou. Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Always a, a pleasure to see you. Bottom left, wearing a, a resplendent yellow away kit. Benji Cloak, how you doing, Ben? Yes, mate. I think 2004, 2005, this shirt. But I'm good, but oh, not a good week to be a winner. No, <laughs> yeah, job, job does itself, really, on, on weeks like this, I imagine, with all that rain coming down. <laughs> and, uh, also joining us, uh, we've got a special guest uh, this week. Uh, against Southampton over the weekend and of course the home game with Atkinson have both been uh, designated as our her game to uh, games so uh, joining us uh, to uh, for the entire show is uh, Charlton's her game to ambassador Tash Everett. How are you doing Tash? Hi Louis, yeah, I'm good. I feel left out not wearing a Charlton shirt but I've got a her game to hoodie on so it's all right. <laughs> uh, everyone's come dressed up for the party. I didn't even notice that Lewis changed in the in, in the two minutes we had the intro video and he went and got his, uh, his third kit on. Excellent stuff. So uh, on this week's show we will of course uh, focus a bit on her game too but we're going to preview uh, the game with Atkinson Stanley. We're going to hear of course from the Addicts boss uh, Dean Holden on a, a number uh, of little bits and pieces. We're hopefully going to have an Atkinson fan join us later on in the show. Tony uh, from the Across the Pitch podcast is going to join us later on to give us a little bit of insight uh, on Atkinson Stanley uh, as well. And uh, as I said, we'll, we'll we'll have a good old focus on her game too later on uh, in the uh, show. But Tash, I mean, uh, just as a very brief uh, introduction, obviously you've been at the training ground today. This is her game two week. You're already one game down with that victory for the women's team over Southampton over the weekend. So I, I assume just hoping for more this weekend. Yeah, no, it was good to see a goal at the Valley <laughs> with Rose goal in the first half, it's enough to win. So, yeah, they're doing really well in the Women's Championship. So it was great to go along and, and watch it, I think. Yeah, and it was just a good day overall, to be honest. And, yeah, no, it's been fun. Hopefully it's the same on Saturday. Yeah, and it's great to see the club really buying into the, the Her Game 2 initiative. And like I say, we'll, we'll talk more about it later on. I think we had Tash and, and Emma on about a year ago, wasn't it, discussing... Uh, when 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 Charlton first uh, got their her game to um, group set up, and uh, yeah, fascinating to hear what what's been done in the meantime. But of course, we've a game of football to focus on uh, this weekend. Uh, still a few of those to get over and done with between now and the end of the season, unfortunately. And um, this one's against Accrington Stanley, uh, Dean Holden. Obviously, on the back of a bit of a difficult run now for the Addicts, four games uh, without a win, just one win in the last six as well. Over seven hours without a goal. Terry spoke to Dean Holden, uh, the Addicts boss, during today's uh, press day and asked him how he's feeling going into this one with Aki. Just gone was the uh, last in one of four games that 
beforehand we thought we're going to be tough and uh, and so it proved um we had some good moments across across that period uh, but coming out within just a point how do you assess that uh, that four game period not great not great in terms of obviously points returns going into it we was on a good run of form um so we've had a tricky fortnight really um I think even in that game there, Plymouth, I think you, I remember the one first half, Raksaki's got down the right and just needs a, a clean pass across the box for uh, across the box for Macaulay to score. And I think Jazz had ahead the second half as well. And there was there were some good moments in that. We had a good period after half time, but ultimately we've come out of it at one point in, in four games and you know, the bigger picture, we know what we're up against in terms of the teams where they are in the league. And, you know, we have to be honest about it, we you know, all through the season and probably last season as well, the team struggled for consistency. So that's something that we're obviously trying to Trying to uh, address, and uh, we're now going to run games against teams at the other end of the table. So, does that mean they'll be any easier? No, of course it doesn't. We've all been in the game long enough to know. Um, if you take your eye off it, then you, you get punched on the nose. So we need to be we need to be bang at it. I've, I've uh, worked with John um, previously as a player. I know what he's all about in terms of what he demands from his team. So uh, it'll be a tough game for us, but we'll be ready. Speaking of those, uh, what you've just mentioned there, can you take some comfort and, and positives from the fact that um, in three of the games at least, there were quite fine margins between coming away with something and coming away with nothing, or coming away with just a one point apiece? Yeah, I think yeah, I think so. But again, you know, we want to be in a position where where we're going into them games and, and being favourites and, and dominating them types of games. Obviously, where we're at in terms of as a squad and where the season is, we have to obviously look at that. I could keep talking about the bigger picture, but yeah, certainly moving forward, we want that's where we want to be as a, as a club, as a team. But in the short term, we're, we've got to do what's in front of us, and it's a uh, it's a game on Saturday again against a tough a tough Accrington team. They've had a obviously a difficult game in midweek over at Ipswich. Um, we're not even thinking about the Morecambe game, and beyond that, this is all about Accrington and making sure that we that we get some points on the board again. Yeah, talking about Accrington prior to Saturday's defeat to Ipswich, they picked up some good results and only had one defeat and six. Uh, and as we experienced in the first game of the season, uh, they don't give up and they're a tough side to uh, to play against. Yeah, as I said there, I know exactly what, what they'll be about. They'll be a team that'll be full of running. They'll, they'll have some aggression in there. Um, they'll have players that want to run in behind. They've got Big Presley up front, um, who's, who's a good target for them in terms of playing up the pitch. So, uh, yeah, we know, what we're in, we're in, we know what's at stake for us. We know what the game's going to look like. And we just have to respond from, as you say, a poor run of form in the last few games and uh, and get the next points on the board and move from there. There we go then. That's Dean Holden uh, looking ahead to Saturday's home game with Accrington Stanley Lewis. Um, it, it goes without saying we're on, we're on the back of a pretty poor run of form now. Um, and, and and that has to end sooner rather than later. Obviously, not, not just for, for us as fans who are sort of trudging towards the end of the season. For Dean, he probably, probably like... We see his name being linked with all sorts of jobs, but realistically, I think he's hoping he wants to get a longer contract here at the Valley. So, so he'll he'll be wary of this little run of form as well. Yeah, of course. You know, it's it's been a tough period for us at the moment. I think I don't I don't think as such that the performances haven't been great. I think we've just not been clinical in front of goal, and ultimately that's been costly for us. Um, you know, this is a it's a fairly big game for us now. Um, coming up against Zacherson at home, back at the Valley, off off the back of playing some some tough teams and some tough opposition, um, where maybe the expectation to get a result was a bit lower. I think the pressure will be on on Saturday to to try and respond and try and beat Akrington aside that are, are not a million miles away from us. Obviously, I think what we're about nine nine points off the bottom four, eight or nine points off the bottom four. Um. But we know what Accrington possess as well. They they always, when they come to the Valley, they always do give us a tough game. 
I think it was last season under under Nigel Atkins at the Valley. We we played Accrington and we really struggled. Um, I don't know if that was the game he got sacked after. I can't remember. It was it was one of those horror games in that week under under Nigel. So they do possess a threat. You know, John Coleman's a, a manager that's been in the in the division a long time. He's been at Accrington a long time. They're a big physical side, and we're going to have to be prepared for that. And I think that it's it's very important, as you say, for Dean that we look at positives now between you know this game and the end of the season as to where we can cling on to some positives and, and try and end the season strongly and start looking ahead to next season. But obviously there's a there's a hell of a lot going on off the pitch as well that's making that difficult to look forward to. Um but from Dean's perspective, he's probably now going to start well you'd like to think he'd start thinking about plans for next season if he is going to be here and maybe start giving some of the other players, some fringe players or or some of the young players a bit of an opportunity, which for me, I think that's where the excitement will be for fans now, seeing the likes of Kanu come in and things like that. They're the little positives that we've got to cling on to between now and the end of the season. So, look, it's a big game. We're going to have to be at our best, I think, to beat them. The ultimate thing is going to be scoring the goal because I think, I know you said on the show on Sunday, Dean doesn't want this goal scoring or lack of goal scoring form, should I say, becoming a thing. But sadly, I think it has become one now. So, the relief that will flow when we score that goal is obviously going to be massive. So, hopefully that will be Saturday. Yeah, it's a little bit like a red rag to a ball when a manager tells me he doesn't want something to become a thing. Then I have to start creating spreadsheets and, and stats and everything for it to become a thing, Ben. But I mean, it's seven seven hours and 18 minutes without scoring a goal. Last time we scored was on Valentine's Day away at Forest Green. Um, who, who do you trust to put that right on, on Saturday, Ben? I mean, I'd definitely go two up front. <laughs> I'd definitely I go two up front. Through you already. Oh, mate. This, I mean, we've we can't do that three at the back against Accrington. I mean, no disrespect to Accrington, but and I know we've had some tough games, but we've got to set our stall out to be an attacking threat. Thing you said on the show on Sunday, Macaulay Bond's confidence is through the floor now, it's in Australia. Uh, so we we need to help him as best as we can, whether that means resting him, whether that means starting Leeburn alongside him. Um, or just, yeah, as I said, go with four at the back uh, and, and try and let, let's press them early because we, we seem to be starting very slow in games. Like last week, it was only until the second half then Carnu came on and helped him. As Lewis said, it would be nice to see him start again after a, a really good feature on uh, Saturday. Uh, but I think, yeah, we, we've got to scrap that three at the back for against Atkinson. We can't. We end up leaving like two players there that aren't doing anything at the back. We need to try and press them early. Look, their confidence is low. I see their goalkeeper got sent off on uh, Tuesday night. So what a better way to try and get our first goal against an un- untried goalkeeper. So, yeah, n- not confident um, because, as Lewis said, we've had some really tough games against them in the past where they will sit back and they will fall over. They will waste time, any opportunity. And they will get a goal from a set piece and wind us up. Um, and it'll wind the fans up. So if we can try and get a good early start, then that could help. But at the moment, trying to trying to find positives, but can't find any as yet. Mm, yeah, I mean, Accrington don't quite seem to be the side they were a couple of years ago when they were, I think, flirting with, with the playoffs, if I remember rightly. I remember in lockdown, they came and beat us on a Friday night at, at the Valley Tash and, and they were and they were far superior to us. So obviously, we're, we're sitting above them in the table this at this moment in time but we're on we're on a low run of, of confidence and I don't know if it's just me but I feel like it's gone a little bit under the radar that we've actually lost our last three at home as well 
Um, so if you think about the, the Bolton game, the Fleetwood game and the Sheffield Wednesday, that, that's three defeats at home in a row, which isn't something I feel like we're, we're too used to. So, I mean, do, what do you think has become the difference at the Valley at the moment? Do, do you think we're, we're, we're struggling with the fact there's, there's hardly anyone there? The atmosphere is a bit dead. Do, do you think that's playing a part in it, Tash? Yeah, I don't think it helps, definitely. Like the atmosphere, you know how different the Valley can be when there's a lot of people and they make a lot of noise. It does, it's not just a saying, like it does make a big difference. Um, but I think, I don't know, Atkinson are a bit of a bogey team for us, aren't they? Like even the first game, the opening game of the season when we conceded in the last minute, thought we'd won the Miles Lieburn scoring the, that goal and then they came back and scored. You know, we thought the game was basically done. Um, but yeah, I don't think that was fair. I think... I don't know. I think Fleetwood, the loss against Fleetwood was a real killer. So I think we went into that game in quite a decent run of form and thought, oh, OK, you know, we should beat Fleetwood at home. No disrespect to them, but we should be beating teams like that at home. Obviously lost to them um, and then obviously gone on this run. Um, I don't think the confidence would be very high, but I'd like to think we can get a result out of Accrington. I think, you know, you don't want to continue going on this slide, this losing slide. Hmm. Uh, well, well, I've got you, Tash, as well. So, uh, obviously, we're always open to to comments, and quite a few people have got involved uh, in the uh, in the live chat on on YouTube. And, and Johan's asked the question: Who should start up front, Bon or Lieber? And he says, for him, it should be Lieber. And obviously, I mean, we've been having this conversation over the last few weeks. But it's interesting to hear a different voice on on the whole McCauley Bon situation. <laughs> what have you made of his last few performances, and and uh, how much are you praying that Lieber's fit enough to start on Saturday? I think, like, the question of who should start at the top, I think Lieber, not even just because of Bond not getting a goal yet, but I think purely because, as we like said before, his confidence is just shot. And I think when players are in that situation, you just need to be taken out of the spotlight completely. Um, and that'll benefit him. I was saying to people the other day, it's a shame that Bond didn't score on his debut. I can't remember. I think he got an assist or he came close to scoring. And it's like... The difference that would have made if he'd have scored that goal and whether he'd have got any more, I just think the pressure is getting more and more for him to impress. So I just think getting him out of the spotlight and giving him a rest while we have those strikers hopefully available. Um, Obviously, like, I don't know, I think I didn't watch the Plymouth game so I was working, but um, it seemed to me that when Carnu and Lieberm came on, that made a real difference. So I'd even go for that as a start rather than overly but and sorry rather than bond starting just because i don't want to wait until the 70th minute again to get into a game or whatever minute it was that they made a substitution so if it goes pete's on then it goes pete's on but i think it's better trying something different than just sticking with something that's not working at the moment yeah because the only the only scary felt thought there is if if we start with those two which is a suggestion a lot of people are making in the comments is then if it isn't working then we've only got McCauley Bond uh, to bring on from the bench. Yeah, Sam said he'd like to see Lee Byrne and Carney uh, in a 4-4-2. Uh, Dan said uh, Lee Byrne and Carney uh, is an absolute must uh, and Freeman says Lee Byrne and Carney the fans uh, will get behind them and Dan added we look much better uh, when those two uh, played together. Bond got cheered off when he got when, when he was taken off at, um, at, at Plymouth over the weekend. I mean, it, 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 it feels like an obvious choice, Lewis, but the, the front two, a lot of people would like to see this weekend is Lieburn and and uh, Carnu if we if we start with two up top. Yeah, I think so. I mean, ultimately, um, I agree with Tash on what she said that we need to try something different because even if it doesn't pay off, you know, they're two young players. If it doesn't pay off, it can't really get much worse. Like you're going from not scoring any goals to to what, if you don't score any goals, there's no difference is there. So 
it's well worth taking the risk. I mean, I I liked how we looked with the two up top. I think Lieburn and Carnu complement each other in terms of their play. Lieburn's that big hold up player, but also has the pace to get forward. And Carnu runs in, you know, in the gaps and the space to to create chances and get in good areas. And and I thought they did that really well, um, given that we only had sort of twenty minutes to try and get back into that game, which I didn't think was a game we overly deserved to lose. It's just that when you don't have a shot on target, obviously that's going to happen. But I didn't think we played poorly, but we did look much better with that with that threat of having the two strikers on at the same time. So, look, I think I think with Bond, there was that added tag of him coming back to the football club after the comments that he made when he left. There was some expectation on his shoulders to come in uh, and score some goals um, and obviously try and prove his worth a little bit, I think. And he, he you know, made a big statement saying, you know, I want to come and I want to prove my worth. I want to apologise for those comments by scoring the goals and, and doing my talking on the football pitch. That hasn't happened. So there's that sort of added tag to him. I agree with, with both Benji and Tash. I think he has to come out of the spotlight this weekend because it's just going to get worse. And, and regardless of how poor the performances have been, I, I think sort of cheering someone off sarcastically is not going to do anything for anyone's confidence. So while we've got that option there, as Benji said, we may as well have a go with with Lee Byrne and Carnu. Um, and if we don't, and we want to keep one of them on the bench just in case Lee Byrne's fitness isn't right to play the whole way through, then go for the three and, and have Corey and Jersey the side of, of Miles. Because that's in the other games, that's where we've looked most dangerous when you've got those two driving down the sides. Like when you take Corey out of a game, he might not have the best end product, but his pace is petrifying for most defenders at this level. So when mm. you don't have him in there, you really feel that threat missing. So yeah, for me, the two choices are you play the two of them up top together or you stick for the one, but you have to play Jez and Corey either side. You can't have this stupid... 5-3-2 because I don't think it would work against Accrington really. Yeah, I mean Richard says if Carno is on from the start and it doesn't work, how will that affect his his confidence if he is yanked off on 70 minutes for Bonham? I mean that that I guess is that the balance that Dean Holden's got to find at the moment, Ben, is when when you, you, you don't put too much on, on Dan Carney, you know, he, he looked lively when he came off the bench against Plymouth on, on Saturday, a bit of pace, stuck a decent cross towards the far post at one point. Other than that, yeah, we weren't overly you know creating a great deal in in that last 20 minutes other than getting in and around the box but he 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 was good he he, he made a difference but there's the the joe piggott risk you know start off okay score a hat trick at welling in pre-season and then all of a sudden turns out you're pretty rubbish and 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 your confidence is knocked for a number of years like that that's the balance that you have to find with with, with dan yeah definitely we don't i thought it, i was wary of putting him in against one of the big sides uh, especially like away at Derby, home against Sheffield Wednesday when they had that big back three. I think because he's not got the figure that Lieburn's got, he might get bullied in men's football. They'll do the art and crafts, little uh, shoulder in the back and stuff like that to him off the ball that, that might knock his confidence. Uh, but with a game against Accrington, I just see, see it as like nothing to lose kind of scenario for him. Um, we're playing against a, a team, look, they're fighting for their lives down the bottom, trying to stay in this division, and they've picked up some decent results of late. Um, so we know they're going to come here, they're going to try and be a nuisance to us, but let's put it on them. But I, I think if we wait 70 minutes until we make that sub, I think it's too late then, because if it is nil-nil, that we're playing into their hands. They're going to love that. They're going to sit back. They're going to enjoy the pressure we're going to put on them. They're going to enjoy the fact if we haven't scored, 
They're going to love it. You'll be bringing out your facts that we haven't scored in X amount of minutes. They'll be playing on their minds. And I think then, then when you throw a youngster on, the pressure's on him to score. I think if you play him from the start, say, look, go run, run your socks off, get, get knockoffs from Miles or McCauley. They're going to knock it on for you, get in their faces, run, run, run for 60, 70 minutes. And then we're going to make, we're, then we're going to bring you off. So just try your best um, and do that. Rather, I think if you do flip it around, I think the pressure's more on him because the fans, if, if we 20 minutes to go and we're losing or it's nil nil, then the fans are going to be annoyed anyway. And then I think the pressure's going to be on him. So I think I'd rather see someone like that start and then give him a go from the start and let's see what he can do. I mean, that Peterborough game, I thought the first half of that game when him and Miles started was like, oh, I think it's a bit tough for him today. And then he made that amazing assist for Miles. It's a great move, great cross goal. And you think, oh, here we go. See, you've got to give him a bit of time to have a go. I think if you just give him 20 minutes, that's a bit harsh on him as well. Mm. It's interesting, though. I guess the fact that, that Dean did play him in his first two games shows that he does believe in him, you know, and it was clear, you know, we remember we still had Jaden Stockton at that time and, and the conversations we've been having about Bon in the last couple of weeks are the same conversations we were having about Jaden uh, earlier on uh, in, in the season. Um, and Andrew said uh, Boyer's diamond worked pretty well for a while. I mean, there, there has been a, a little bit of flitting between, like we say, three at the back and, and different formations at, at this moment, Tash. I guess Dean might feel a little bit hamstrung because because of the the quality of player we have. We don't necessarily have that amount of player. That's a nice way of saying we ain't got very good players, but we ain't, don't necessarily have the the type of players that that are easily sort of malleable into different formations. So he's probably still, to an extent, trying to find one that works best for him. You know, the three at the back has had its moments where we've looked a little bit sharper defensively, but then we we have individual errors anyway. So. I guess he's still in a bit of a difficult position trying to work out what's the best he can do with, with what he's got at hand at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sean Clare is a good example, isn't he? Obviously, he's naturally a midfielder, but he's been plonked at right back. And then he's done a, a good job there, considering that's not his natural position. But then Holden's obviously seen his potential getting us down that wing and making you know, advances down that side. But he creates everything on that right-hand side from where I sit in the stand. Um, and... Obviously, but it's difficult because, as you say, the three at the back, it either really works or it really doesn't. So it's hard. Like As you said, I don't think we have the squad depth and the players that we need in those positions that need covering at all. Yeah, that's uh, part of the problem we have. Right, Ben said, uh, if Bond starts over Miles or, Car- or Carnu, I might watch the warm-ups and get the early train home. <laughs> we got a little bit. I wonder if anyone's ever actually done that, like seen a starting lineup and just probably stayed in the pubs, probably, probably possibly, but going home, I, I bet you don't, Ben. Uh, right, um, an interesting aspect of uh, the last few weeks is obviously we played a lot of sides in the, in the top half, and we're now going into... Uh, what what Terry has decided is is an easier run of fixtures with uh, lower l- lower down the table teams coming uh, up in the next few. So he did ask Dean Holden about that earlier on. I just thought you might want to listen to what he said on that. We're all against sides below us uh, and uh, in and around the relegation places. So we'll be seen as favourites, unlike the previous four, probably. Uh, does that bring extra pressure or problems uh, with the potential of level of expectancy that we're going to get? No, I think for us, we... I believe in in this group of players, and in terms of getting the next performance out of them, and uh, externally the press. No, we don't we don't really take too much notice of that. We we need to respond um, from the little bit of a run that we've been on, 
we need to get back to winning ways. But we, the boys proved when I first came in, we went on that good run of form and got some good results. So you know, it's certainly a game that we can win as long as we're as long as we're at the top level of our performance. Right. So Dean Dean's not getting drawn into any conversations about us playing teams lower down. Uh, the table over the next few weeks. And and I think I can see why. So our next three games are all against uh, sides in the bottom half, Accrington, Morecambe and Cambridge. And you think, right, that fills me with a little bit of confidence that we might actually win a few games. But I, I, I was running some maths before before the show just because I was curious as to what our results are. And it, it sort of shocks me to an extent that I'm going to have to share this, this spreadsheet on the screen. So forgive the dreadful presentation because I literally just... Uh, whacked it together just before just before the show but what we can see here is that against teams in the bottom half this season we've only taken nine points out of 13 games we've taken nine points at less than 0.7 um per game uh, against teams in the top half we played 21 and taken 32 points so a point and a half so we're clearly for some reason better against teams in the top half and we can see under dean holden our results against the bottom half side have been played free uh, and uh, only three points. That was a, a win against Forest Green. We've also we've lost to um, to Fleetwood, and we've lost one more. I forgot the other one against top half sides. He's actually done a lot better. So um, it's a bit bizarre. So our, our remaining fixtures, nine of them against sides in the bottom half, and only three teams left in the top half. So on paper, an easy running, but judging by our results so far, not so much. But when you then drill in it a little bit more, teams in the top six. Uh, we have struggled with. We've taken less than a point against teams in the top six. So we're for some reason, Lewis, we're really good against teams who play in the top half, but not in the top six. And we're rubbish against teams in the bottom half. Can can you put your finger on why that is? Because when I saw those numbers, I thought that is utterly bizarre. So basically, we're rubbish against everyone, really. <laughs> when you look at that, aren't you? there's like I mean, four when teams. You spread, when you spread it out over a <laughs> season, it turns out, yes. But yeah, if we're, if we're playing any seventh to 12th, it's an easy win. And you won't be staying in the pub, basically, looking at it. But it is crazy. I mean, I, I do agree. I, we've always had that thing attached to us where I think we've performed against the better sides because I don't know whether it's to do with expectation or something. But like when you look at the Ipswich game, I know that was a draw. But to come down from from two behind twice with, with that team, you know, that, that, that takes character. Bearing in mind that four days prior, we lost the bottom of the table MK Dons at home. So there's obviously something there with those with those top sides where we do seem to perform, but it is the expectation levels. I think like we always, we always go into games against the lesser sides, you know, like the Accrington's again, no disrespect to them, but we go into that with confidence. Like, oh, we need to win this one. We need to win this one. And then we, we just don't turn up. It's bizarre. But yeah, I mean, some of our results this season against the, the lesser sides have been crazy. Even that I think was it in that week, like we'd, we lost to bottom of the table, MK Dons, then draw four all with Ipswich. We're pushing for, for the top two and then draw three all with, bottom of the table but and how being like the week after it's just yeah crazy stuff but yeah I can't I can't put my finger on it it's something that seems to happen season after season isn't it? it's not even just this season I think if you ran back I imagine if you ran back the figures across the last couple it would it would be quite a common theme um so yeah who knows I mean we need to need to try and nip it in the bud this weekend though otherwise we'll be one of the lesser teams that people are trying to trying to improve their record against mm. I mean, I mean, do you think it goes to show, Ben, that we, we, we can't break teams down? That That is our problem this season. I mean, it's, it's it's strange because, like, we've been moaning about playing teams in the top six over the last few weeks, your Boltons, your Derbys, your, um, your Plymouths on Saturday and struggling in those games. But 
we, we clearly struggle against teams at the bottom half as well. So we, we can't break down teams that come and sit behind us and we can't break down or score enough goals against teams who are any good as well. It, it does suggest there's a fundamental flaw in, in us for some reason, which the, the league table seems to agree with. Yeah, I think under Ghana, we did play a lot of tippy-tappy football um, that looked good on the eye, but we weren't clinical enough for breaking these teams down. I think they knew that they could just sit back and they knew we had players like the Jaden Stockley that would say, well, I'm in the box. When you guys get the ball to the wings and get some crosses in, I'm not going to do much else. Um, and he didn't get the service, did he? Uh, and I kind of look back at that Bolton game. I mean, where did that goal come from? What a move it was. Start of the second half. I don't know what Dean said to him. Lovely little one touches. Bish, bash, bosh, up to Morgan. Great shot, goal. And you think, where's that goal come from? Why haven't we done that more often? Shooting outside the box, quick football. And we've got players like Morgan. Uh, Payne's got it in his locker, we know. Not sure about any others, really. I haven't seen Raksaki, Blackie Taylor having a shot outside the box. I mean, we've said it in shows previous, but it's becoming more apparent that we're just no one's... I don't know if we're scared to or not. I mean... Sean Clare's up there for goal of the season so far against Plymouth, where he just thought, yeah, I'm going to have a go. Um, yeah, I think we're just sl so slow moving through the thirds, and especially with a back three. None of them feel confident enough to bring the ball forward. And I love Sessignon bringing the ball forward. I think he's very good at that. Egbo was very good at that um, before he got injured. And I think Clare is good, but I think he needs someone to bounce off of. He's always like looking to make that overlapping run. Um, but yeah, I think our problem lies with a bit of confidence in anyone just trying to have a bit of a shot or, as I said, that Bolton game just seems such a rarity that someone went, bang, let me have a go outside the box. But that was a lovely, quick, one-touch move um, that, that worked really well for us. I'd like to see it more. Mm, yeah, I mean, Andrew says that Aaron Henry has a good long shot on him. Uh, as well. And uh, Aaron says, uh, I think the key priority for Holden for the rest of the season has to be establishing who we're keeping for next year and, and what system they will play in. I mean, uh, in, in, any normal football club who's who's got to this stage of the season, the, the season's pretty much over in terms of going anywhere, Tash, will we'll be thinking, yep, yeah, that, that's what we'll do. We'll work out who's good and who's not. It won't take long with our team. Um, we'll uh, We'll decide what sort of Form uh, formation we want to play. We'll we'll get the manager on a new contract. Obviously, that that's where we want to be. But again, as a new voice on the pod from the, from the outside looking in, how how confident are you that that's going to be what's going to happen between now and the end of the season, given the absolute shambles that's going on behind the scenes? I think it's fair to say we're not a normal club anymore. <laughs> um, so that sort of expectation is kind of out the window from very early on in the season, like. Yeah, I think the last run of games and after the January transfer window went on, unsurprisingly, nothing happened really of note. And yeah, at the moment, I think I've said this before, but I think the club's just in a bit of limbo. I think until something moves on the ownership side, I don't think there's going to be much action and planning going forward to next season. Not that I can see anyway, like it'd be hard to do that when you've got a manager that doesn't know if he's going to be here come August. Um, and the players, some of them don't know they're going to be here come August. Not sure how you can plan that. I mean, if you're a player coming from outside wanting to sign for Charlton or Charlton are interested in you, what exactly are Charlton going to present 
to them is <laughs> trying to get them interested in signing for us over other League One competitors that, you know, like us have, dro- have dropped down into the leagues that used to be in the Premier League and the Championship like us and are trying to push back up. Ultimately, we're not, unfortunately, a very attractive outfit at the moment. But as soon as we've got someone at the top and some like a manager in that's got, you know, is not going to be ousted after six months. I think that's when we can start thinking about how we're going to plan moving forward. But I think at the moment, it's literally just, I don't know about you guys, but it's just like a week by week sort of thing at the moment with all these twists and turns. So yeah, I think we're going to have to see what happens with this one. I'm not sure what's going to happen next season yet. Yeah. So, I mean, just, just before we go to the break then, Lewis, obviously, uh, I know you've been involved in meetings, whatnot today. Um, you, you met, the uh, was it the new CEO Peter Story? Um, um, was, was, I don't know if he was wearing handcuffs or not when you met him. But I mean, can you tell us anything about what happened? Uh, what happened during that? Can you give us any inkling about a- any news or anything? It, to be honest, it was just a bit of an introductory call because I've I've been trying to reach out to to Thomas to get an update on on the situation around you know takeover, uh, Dean Holden things like that, um, and that was sort of passed on to Peter to respond to instead. So my assumptions are that Peter's very much in running the day-to-day operations of the football club now um, with Thomas back in the States, sort of more focused on on Zynex and, and his business. Um, we, it was more introductory, really. I wanted to learn what the Found Advisor role was about. I asked him the, the same questions I, I put to Thomas in an email about um, updates around a takeover. Um and updates around Dean Holden, etc. Um, which hopefully there'll there'll be an update from the club out tomorrow. Um, just on some content, obviously nothing nothing too pressing, so no one get excited. But just a bit of a breakdown of that conversation, um, which hopefully will be useful uh, and give people a bit of an up to date picture of where we are off the field. Um, and then yeah, I mean that was that was it really initial initial sort of introductions with him, um, but. He, he seemed quite keen to get to know to know Lucy and I and, and what the role was about. Um, and it sounds internally like a lot of the feedback on him from club staff has been quite positive. Um, from speaking to some of the people that that we both know in the club, they're quite happy with that. The way things are at the moment with him in there seems to have improved a little bit. Um, but that's just what I was told today. Whether that whether that's the case or not, we will see. But um, yeah, there'll be there'll be something out tomorrow which should break down a little bit of an update on the the current position of the takeover, um, the current position with with Dean Holden's contract, planning for next season, um, and he just sort of re reassured and, and reaffirmed the point that Rich made this week in the press about the um, the Charlie Methven legal challenge won't affect any sale of the football club. That's purely a battle between Thomas and Charlie as individuals rather than anything to do with Charlton Athletic. Um, but that so that was all, mate. Re- Really, but there should be a bit more detail coming out tomorrow. Mm, okay. Uh, well, excellent. Hopefully, um, he'll he'll be able to sit down with the supporters trust at some point as well. Because I'm sure they'll, they'll also have uh, plenty of questions. Right, we're going to have a quick break here on Charlton Live, the big match preview. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear uh, from a representative from the Accrington Stanley uh, fan base. Right, we'll see you in a. Uh... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Two seconds. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's Joey. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr. The absolute German beauty. Woo! Dream lads. Joey have scored. With seconds remaining. We've done it all. Guess it. Come on. What a time to be here. Here at Wembley. Oh, my word. Charlton Live. Right, welcome back, everybody, to Charlton Live. This is the big uh, match preview. Adam sent a uh, comment in just before the break there. There's so much uncertainty now, both on and off the pitch. I'm already nervous about next season, and I think that's a, a fair position to be in. But we're not thinking that far ahead just now. Right now, we're going to look ahead to Saturday's uh, home game with Accrington Stanley. And joining us uh, to do that is Tony Robinson uh, from the Across the Pitch uh, podcast. Tony, thanks for joining us live on, on Charlton Live. How are you this evening? I'm fine. Thank you very much. And a pleasure to uh, be with you. Looking forward to uh, having a chat and uh, talking about Stanley in the upcoming match. Yeah. Now, I mean, first of all, tell, tell us a little bit about your podcast, because um, it's, it's a little bit unusual from, from the outside looking in. Um, you, you seem to be based overseas. And I didn't, I didn't know there was such a, a scrambling for uh, Accrington fans. <laughs> so so where, where, whereabouts are you based? Well, we, uh, we're based in uh, Phoenix and Toronto, Phoenix, Arizona and Toronto. Um, we are the official international podcast of Accrington Stanley. Um, we've been operating for about five years. I've been on board for about uh, four years, uh, originally from Accrington, uh, follow the club uh, since they've uh, um, come back into existence in 68 and uh, over usually um, once a year for four matches uh, in September, October to, to watch them at the WAM. So um, yeah, it's um, we're, we've, we're building a slow uh, fan base over in the States. And actually we have, we have listeners uh, in six of seven continents. We just need somebody in, in the Antarctic to, to download an episode and we can ch- check that one off our bucket list. So if you know any scientists down there, let us know. <laughs> Yeah, with uh, I don't know many scientists actually. I don't know if if that's what Nathan does in his spare time, but no, I don't think so. So, um, t- tell us about Accrington's season so far. Um, we were saying a, c- a couple of years ago, it felt like Accrington were a side that that could sort of flirt with the the top six, but it's not really been the case recently. And and this year's been a bit of a struggle. Yeah, I mean, we I think the expectations going to, into this season was very high, uh, because we had really uh, quite a few of our uh, uh, top players coming back, uh, but the, right off the bat, we lost our two centre backs in preseason, um, and and so they had to start rejigging, and then it just got worse from there. 
Uh, I mean, at one point in January, we had 19 first-team players that were uh, on the injured list and, and just not able able to get on the squad. So they're starting to get some players back. Um, and then we've had a, you know, we had a, um, a, a the goalkeeper sent off uh, against Ipswich, which uh, was debatable from my point of view. I think a yellow at best. But anyway, he's out for this um, uh, this Saturday. So we're looking possibly at having um uh, Toby Savin brought back from loan he's he's been out with Stevenage for uh, uh, a couple of weeks so look for him to be playing on Saturday but yeah we've it's it's been a it's been a struggle because we haven't been able to put all our uh, you know a consistent starting 11 out on the pitch so chemistry has been an issue because you you don't know who's going to be turning up or who's going to be on on these in the starting 11 come uh, come Saturday yeah, and uh, well, that's a, a situation we've had a lot really uh, this season because because uh, we have to change our players so much because they're not, not often that good. Um, we also change our manager quite a lot. Um, so we 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 seem to average one every six months or so. That that that's not really something you can say about about Accrington and, and John Coleman. So he's in was he in his second stint now, and the first one lasted from ninety nine until two thousand and twelve, and now he's back since two thousand and fourteen. I mean, he must be an absolute legend around around those parts well he is and uh, i think um the if he if he loses it's going to be for retirement he's he's really not, not going anywhere i think what he has accomplished in his time at stanley four promotions no relations uh, um he, he he does uh i would say overachieve because um the budget that stanley has is if it's not the smallest it's the second smallest uh, in the entire EFL. Um, so for a club of the size of Accrington, you know, we're st- right in the middle of Blackburn and, and, uh, and Burnley. So our attendance, we don't have big crowds. Uh, we have a core following, but for him to do what he has done over the years uh, is really, is really saying something. And uh, yeah, I think he's, he's a legend in the area and I think he's a well-respected manager for what he accomplishes and throughout the, throughout the league. And just finally, then looking ahead to, to Saturday's game, um, as you can probably see in, in the ticker tape going down the bottom, your away form isn't the best. Uh, no wins in your last nine on, on no. the road in all competitions. <laughs> um, but I mean, if there were to be a, a couple of men who, who could who could cause Charlton real problems this Saturday, who, who would you pick? Well, one of the I, um, I don't know if he'll pass a fitness, but our best player for the last couple of months has been. Uh, uh, fell on the wing, uh, Rosario Longello, who has uh, really blossomed uh, uh, since Christmas. Uh, if he's fit, he he uh, looked to him, makes some moves down the wing, and he likes to come inside. Um, we on the other wing back, we've got Mitch Clark. Um, he's probably one of the best tacklers in uh, uh, for a right back, a wing back in the league. Uh, short short fella, but uh, he's very hard to get around. And he's he's really uh, uh, good on set pieces, getting the ball into the box. Um, and in the in the box, we have Aaron Presley, that's uh, from uh, on loan from Brentford. Um, he's he's a tall. He reminds me a bit of a uh, young version of John or uh, of uh, Peter Crouch, I should say. Um, he's got the height, and he's good on his hold up play. If we can get the ball. Uh, and on some set pieces into the box to him, uh, he has a chance to score. So I think um, we've, we've just got a new fellow that came in 
and he first game, uh, his name is, um, uh, I'm just looking here now. Oh, yeah, sorry, Mancini. Um, he's that new. I'm just getting used to his name. He played on against Titchwich, and um, he's a north-south kind of player uh, that will take the ball into the box and, and sort of go at the defenders. Um, I saw something positive in him, so um, hopefully we'll get uh, get him playing, and, and uh, hopefully he can do the job. We also have Sean Wally, that's uh, probably one of the oldest players around, 35 years old, and still going strong. If Longello can't go, I would see I would see Sean Wally playing on the uh, on the wing in his position. Excellent stuff. Well, some uh, some danger men for the Addicts fans to be wary of there. Tony, thanks for for joining us on uh, on Charlton Live this week. Um, best of luck for the rest of the season, obviously after Saturday, and uh, yeah, keep up your your support from from over the pond. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And good luck uh, after Saturday. Cheers. There we go. That's Tony then, uh, who joined us um, uh, from uh, the Accrington Stanley fan base. Uh, well, I have to check out his pod because that must be difficult supporting a side uh, from, from overseas like that. Uh, I love the fact they've got a young Peter Crouch. I was thinking, what's, what's the equipment we've got? We've got a violent Peter Crouch in, in, in Ryan Innes. That's uh, the, as, as close as we can come to. Right. Um, I wanted some team news. Um, so Terry did ask, uh, with, with the fact that he's had a free week, if that has helped to uh, free up any of the side in terms of injuries, uh, particularly Manny as well. So let's hear what Dean Holden uh, had to say on that. Good week, uh, embarking before another three-game uh, period comes up. How's the as a squad um, generally and specifically, how's, uh, how did Mandela get through that uh, under-21 game last Friday? Yeah, he, uh, he was on limited minutes in terms of how long he played, but he, he got through that. We ticked that box in terms of his rehabilitation. Um, He's obviously been out for a period of time now, so we've got to be mindful of that. So he'll play in the next game next week uh, away at QPR. I think it's next Thursday. Uh, we'll, we'll watch him in that one. And uh, he's getting closer. He's, he's not ready to come back in just yet, but he's, he's, he's gaining that, that sharpness every day. He's back with the first team training now, so that, that's going to be a positive, obviously, when he's when he's back fit. We've had a good week. We've had a, we've mixed it up a little bit. We've we've been out and about, and and we've gone and uh, gone into the yeah the Woolwich Barracks on Tuesday, which was a, a fantastic day in terms of. You know what we got from that in terms of elite uh, discipline, standards, all these types of things, and they they were great with us, and we've built a little bit of a relationship, hopefully, with the guys there. So we'll be back in pre-season, you know, doing a bit more than we did on Tuesday, but it was certainly a good uh, a good eye opener for us. There's so many jokes you can make about shooting practice and and all that when when you go to the Woolwich Barracks, Tash. But I mean, Dean has really tried very hard indeed to to get out there and and do this sort of stuff um in, in store a bit of discipline it's something that i think fans like you know it's, it, it, to me going to the barracks is quite similar to going to the pub it's, it's something that i think is a bit of an easy win for fans i mean what, what did you make of that little trip do you know what i didn't see it until i looked on the club's socials earlier and i was like i didn't know they did that today i went down the training ground they didn't look too knackered so i think you know didn't kill them off too much but yeah i don't know really i i agree though i think you know with everything that's going on at the club at the moment after garner got sacked i was a bit like okay here we go it's going to be another manager like I don't really get that attached to. I'm not really that bothered by them and all that sort of thing. Um, but I actually don't feel like that way about Dean. I feel like that's probably one of the positives, like uh, the last couple of chaotic months, like more chaotic months that we've had. Um, and yeah, you can see that he is really trying to build something. I just hope he has the time and the resources to do that. Mm, yeah, Ben, I mean, you can. I mean, he, he speaks about pre-season and whatnot, you know, 
linking up with the with the army boys again in, in pre-season um i mean at least he's talking as if he's still going to be here i guess i guess jacko was talking like he was still going to be here towards the end of his tenure and and being told one thing that i'm going to try and get you on a contract by thomas sangard and actually getting one from from thomas sangard are two very different very different things yeah well i think tash mentioned it earlier didn't she it's like one of those things where it's so up in the air, we take it week to week. One minute he's asked about his contract and then that question's just forgotten about because I think it's all to do with the off-the-field issues. I mean, I can understand Thomas not giving him a contract because if he's trying to sell the club and he might be close with a prospective buyer, that prospective buyer might not want him or might not know who he is and are learning who he is. And as much as Dean for that as well, I mean, Dean might not want to work under a new ownership. It might be totally different for him uh, as well. So, look, it's great that he is thinking about the future. That's all we want to think about because right now we haven't got anything to look forward to the rest of this season. So all we're trying to do is cling on to positives, thinking, oh, play Henry, play Carno, play Campbell. Um, oh, he's talking about pre-season. That would be good. Oh, get him training already for the pre-season. Yeah. Next season's going to be great, but actually it's thinking about right now, who's going to own the club? Who have we got running out of contracts? Are the players out there going to cling on to playing for this club? As, as Tash said as well, what future players are going to look at the club and go, oh, I really want to play for Charlton. They look like a team on the up. They're not at the moment, unfortunately. Um, as But you're right. I think Dean's got a lot of positives about him. He's someone with a bit of character and he's, says it how it is um but this weekend he's got to prove his words i think especially in these next three games because i think he's well we've we kind of let the last few results go a little bit because we have been playing against teams that are right at the top of the table and um well this week yep you're right the record doesn't look great but i think if we don't get at least six points from these next three games well, that's probably a bit of a push, actually, because we're not very good, are we? But we've got to be looking through these next three games. Otherwise, the pressure's going to be on him. And then the fans going, oh, well, he did the barracks. He's gone in a pub, which I've enjoyed seeing him do. It's on the pitch that counts. So we've got to see a dramatic upturn in performances, haven't we, in the next few games? Let's just hope they manage to steal enough weaponry that we might be able to put a defence under a bit of pressure uh, this weekend. Oh, good, good to hear that Manny's nearly back. Um, obviously, the other team news we know is that Scott Fraser's a, a doubt still missed last weekend uh, with his hip problem. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, um, there, there were people in the chat, uh, Johan saying, should Aaron Henry come in to start instead of Kill Kenny? So obviously, Kill Kenny started down at, uh, at Plymouth as well. So that, that's that's a, a, another headache for, for Dean Holden to deal with after obviously his hangover from being in the pub. Uh, all the time. Right, uh, this week uh, has been her game two uh, week. Uh, the uh, the game against Southampton at the Valley for the women's team last Sunday. Uh, this Saturday's game against Accrington Stanley, both designated uh, for the her game two initiative. Uh, Dean Holden was asked about that uh, earlier on today as well. And uh, we find out that Tash actually went down to the training ground today as well. This game uh, against Accrington is our uh, dedicated her game two fixture. And I know you've just come through, uh, come from a presentation uh, on that from uh, Charlton fans, Tash and Lorraine. Um, how important is that? I mean, we've been at the forefront of, uh, of, um, of this type of thing at Charlton generally over the last few years and, and for a good number of years, actually. But uh, is it a surprise that we're still having to be this, uh, uh, this prevalent and uh, that this has to keep being, the drum just has to keep being banged on about, uh, about equality and diversity? In, in... Um, 
it shouldn't be the case, should it? You're absolutely right, but unfortunately it is. And as a, as a football club, we do do great work. Uh, I think it was. I think I touched on it when the football v homophobia campaign came in. It's as a player, as a club, you you know we we get involved with uh, initiatives and campaigns, and sometimes it's just putting on a t-shirt in a warm up, and then you don't really get any understanding of what that is and what that means. So that's why we get we get the guys to come and talk to the players and the staff to to educate us. Um, and to give them support that they need, it's again similar to the previous campaign. That, you know, Tasha and Lorraine, who spoke brilliantly today, have both experienced terrible, um, terrible abuse at going to football matches. That's just not acceptable. And for them to step up amongst the other guys that, that support their the campaign mm. is is a, a really powerful thing because they could easily go quiet. As I think as I say, I think I've said that before, but it's really powerful for us to see that they're uh, using this campaign to basically to help other people. So for us to, as a football club, to help and support and the players and yeah, it's really important. It's really important to me that the players get a wider understanding of away from the football pitch what goes on because we talk about connection with our fans and all the rest of it. But you know, we need to understand the stories and why you know why they come to support the club. And um, yeah, it's just great to it's great to have them in. We had some a little bit of a chat. I think they grabbed some lunch as well. And um, yeah, the players were really respectful of it. And, and hopefully we can uh, we can get a good result to make their day even better on Saturday. Well, there we go. I mean, obviously the big question after that is what, what did they give you for lunch down at the um, the, the training grounds? But um, uh, t- tell us tell us a little bit about your day today then, first of all, Tash. I, I generally do want to know what they gave you for lunch now. Now I've thought about it. But um, what, what did you talk about? How did the players respond to, to your presentation? <laughs> yeah, I had chicken and rice. Quite nice. It was good, yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, I wasn't bad, complaining at all. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, no, it was it was good. I'd never been to Sparrows Lane before. I've been Trump fan twenty four years. I've never been to Sparrows Lane, so that was um, that was interesting in itself. I know Ben shaking his head, um, but yeah, no, it was good. Me and Lorraine went along. Lorraine's in the Chol and her going to group with me, um, and we just planned out a presentation together beforehand. Uh, met Tracy Lieburn as well, bumped into her, had a good chat about it. And then, yeah, met Dean Holden for the first time as well. And, you know, he does come across very sincere in his interest in the campaign, which obviously means a lot to us. Like he reached out to us last night, being like, really looking forward to you coming in and all that sort of stuff, uh, which put us at ease massively. Obviously, it's not an easy thing to go into a male-dominated environment and speak to a whole group of guys <laughs> about a women's issue. So that was that was really appreciated. Um, and yeah, went in, did the presentation for like 15 minutes, like shook Dobbo's hand and Sean Clare's hand and stuff. So that was fun. Um, and yeah, just tried to get them involved in the conversation, really. I think like it's all well and good. Um, me stood there barking stuff about her going to at them. But it's good to get their perspective on it. And I wanted to know if they'd heard about the campaign, like if they'd ever seen sex abuse towards a woman in football online or in person. And they're engaged. They're really engaged with it. Um, and yeah, and I think we're going to try and see Dean again on Saturday before the game to have a little bit more of a chat about it. So yeah, overall, it was a really good experience. Yeah, I guess it must have been pretty pretty interesting to see how the players reacted to it because they, they, they must be aware of of what goes on um, you know, mm-hmm. any, anyone who's been involved with, with football can can see the sort of uh, the sort of stuff that you see at football games. Um, I mean, uh, so I guess her game too, in terms of Charlton, has been going on for about a year now, isn't it? I think it was around this time last season that uh, you, you came on the show with Emma. I mean, what what progress has been made? Um, not just at, at Charlton, but I guess as part of the whole her game two movement around football in in that time. What would you think have been sort of like the key achievements between then and now? 
Yeah, so I guess with Charlton being specific about this club, like we've got in uh, free sanitary products, which hopefully some of your female listeners have seen around the ground. But that was a massive thing for us, I think, being a away fan, I've seen it at loads of other clubs and not like the ones in the championship that have loads of money. It's like the ones in League Two and down there, they all had free sanitary products. So I thought it's definitely something we need to get on board with. I know... For a guy, you might be like, why is that so important? But it's just nice to know that if you're at a football game and you get caught out in those situations, it makes you feel really reassured. And, you know, the club do actually care about their female fans as well. It sends a really positive message. Um, and also we've put in an abuse line, like you can report homophobia or racism or any other kind of abuse. We've had that put in for sexism as well. And hopefully people have seen that on the big screen throughout the game, pops up a few times. Um, but in terms of the campaign in general and as well as Charlton, it's just giving women that outlet that if they do experience abuse, they have a group that they can turn to. Because when I had it before, I didn't think there was anyone that I could really turn to. Like, yes, I could have turned to the club in retrospect, but... At the time, I was like, I don't really know who to go to to speak about this experience that I've had, whether that was in the moment or afterwards. Um, but now her going to that's a brilliant outlet for people to know that there's other women that are there to support them. They can report the issue. It can get sorted by the club. And a good example is Bristol Rovers. So Kaz and Lucy, the women that created the campaign, um, they experienced sexist abuse at the game, reported it, and the club actually banned those people for life that did the sexist abuse. Um, so it shows how much of a positive impact it's having. And I think now 66 out of the 92 are partnered. Um, I think now it's got to the point where it's like, if you're not partnered with her game to what are you doing? Because everyone else is, is getting involved and, you know, educating everyone on the issue and realising that, you know, it needs to be stamped out. Mm. And and what's next as well? It, it, I guess it must be quite an interesting time to try and work with the club because I mean, who is the club at this moment in time? Like, obviously, there are people in the building, the like the likes of Tracy and 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 who 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 are about and who, who can be dealt with. But I guess there's there's probably no Thomas, there's no Raylan to really speak to at the moment. Um, so it, it must be. I guess you have to deal with Lewis actually. But I mean, how how um how 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 are you getting things done at the moment? And and what is sort of next on the agenda? Yeah, Lewis is a big helping hand. He's all right. Um, yeah, so it's as you said, it's it's working with the people that are visible day to day. So Charlotte Richardson, for example, the Charlton TV presenter, she's been really keen on getting involved in it. I'm going to give her a shirt to wear on Saturday for Charlton TV, hopefully. So that's great. Um, also, yeah, Tracy King's get involved with it. You know, she was there today helping us and encouraging us. So I think obviously we had the match day with, for the women's team last Sunday. Um, and then also we got the same thing today, um, not today, on Saturday. Um, so just a repeat of the same thing, really. But it's just all about getting that message out there. And to be honest, the response that I've got from, I don't know if everyone's seen it, but we released a video on Charlton social media channels just about the experiences that we've had as female fans, which 99.9% of the time has been very positive. But some of us in the group have experienced abuse. Um, and also another thing that we spoke about was a song, a Charlton song that includes female body parts in it, which I won't sing. Um, but and people actually responded quite positive, positively to that. I was quite nervous about that going out, if I'm being completely honest, um, just because I, I wanted to stand up against it. But I didn't know how people would take it. And to be honest, like most people have said, you know what, I've never actually thought about the power behind that song and the fact that it's probably not an appropriate thing. Like I always say to people, if you wouldn't say it around your mum or 
your sister or your girlfriend, then why are you singing it at football? Um, and yeah, if the response is, well, maybe you shouldn't go to football, then that's just, <laughs> that's a cop out. <laughs> so yeah, but that's moving forward. I think it's it's things like that. It's that song and just trying to push it out of Charlton and what's left of it and just cross football in general. Yeah, I mean, you speak about football in general, of course, and 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 to go step away from your your, your her game to work that you do with the club, obviously in in your own sort of personal career. Now you're 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 on your apprentice at Talksport. Um, you know, I'm I'm very lucky. That I've been in press boxes up and down the country for seven, eight, nine years now. It's always noticeable that pretty much eight out of ten press conferences, there's five or six blokes who who look a little bit like me. And and no women, and, and that's pretty much it. I mean, what's your what's your experience been like in the industry since since you started? Can, do you feel like there's there's change coming? Obviously, Talksport have got lots of female presenters who are who are very popular. But um, I mean, do you feel like the industry itself is becoming more accepting? Yeah, I'd say so. I think even if you jump back to like ten or even five years ago, there definitely wasn't as many women visible on. Talk sport or Sky or any of the different like sports channels that you'd see. Um, even like names, like in articles and stuff, like bylines would typically be men. Um, I'm the only female writer on my team, which I take pride in, but I'm also like, oh, it'd be nice if there was more of me. Um, but yeah, I think I think it has it is changing. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still see the comments of like particularly during like the World Cup, for example, when there were quite a lot of female pundits on the BBC and ITV. Um and people being like, oh, why are we getting women shoved down our throats? And someone made a very good point to me the other day and said, well, I don't complain when Gary Neville and Rio Ferdinand are shoved down my throats as men. So why does it make any difference if they're a woman or a man in these situations? They're there on merit. So that's that's what it's all about. Um, but yeah, I do I do think at TalkSport specifically, they have made a massive lump and lump leap before towards like diversifying and making sure there's more women in the newsroom, I definitely think that's the case. Like, if you walk around talk sports, it's, it's not dominated by men anymore, which is amazing to think. Excellent stuff. Obviously, uh, BBC Radio and London have been well ahead of the curve there. So, but well, well, well done to see uh, Talksport catching up. Right, uh, we've run out of time with this week's uh, big match preview. Uh, thanks to everyone who um, who's, who's joined us uh, on the stream, uh, on the live stream on YouTube. Thanks to everyone who's listened. Uh, in the podcast as well. Thank you to, to Ben and Lewis first. Good as always to see you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Yeah, and a special thanks to Tash for uh, joining us for the entire hour. Uh, keep up the good work and uh, all the best for, for Saturday. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Right, I'm Louis Menos. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, we'll be back on Sunday to look back at whatever happens against Accrington Stanley. That'll be a, a live stream at 10 o'clock uh, in the morning on Sunday on YouTube. So make sure you join us and have your say about whatever happens against uh, Aki. Hopefully three points for the Addicts to end uh, this nasty little run uh, we've been on. Right, I'm Louis Mendes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again on Sunday.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.